Coming up on today's edition of Making Sense of the Sens, lots of injury updates to get to, the trade rumor mill heats up, and we sit down with Sens prospect Drake Batherson. Okay, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Sen Central. Hello, Sense fans, and welcome inside the CSM studios in the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto. It's episode 32. I'm Ross Levitan. Alongside me today, Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? And Chris Parliament. How's it going? I don't want to start this off on a bad note, but the Sens just released their lineup for tonight's game against the New Jersey Devils, and I would call it Belleville Senators team, but... This is scary. So it's looking like it's going to be Colin White on the right wing with Duchesne and Hoffman, which gives him an opportunity in the top six. Pajot, Di Domenico, and Dezingle will be the second line for tonight's game. Nothing like having Max McCormick in the top nine. He'll be centering Tom Pyatt and Zach Smith. And then Magnus Pierre and Alex Burroughs sitting pretty on the fourth line. They'll go with seven defensemen, which means Freddie Clayson back in the lineup. Uh, Brandon, has this been too long for Freddie Clayson to sit between games? Absolutely. I mean, you've got a guy in Freddie Clayson. He's got a pretty well-rounded game, and especially Sens Twitter knows all about this. The whole Oduya contract clause where he makes an extra 250k with games played. Why don't you give the time to Clayson to develop? And he's actually a guy that you know is going to be a part of the Sens future. And even regardless of developing and future, Clayson's just performed better on the ice. Well, my biggest misunderstanding with this whole thing is... When Chris Weidman went down with that injury, how is that not just, well, here you go, Clayson, this is your shot, and you either take it or you don't, and when Weidman comes back, you either have a spot or you don't. I don't understand how Johnny Oduya came in and stole this spot away from him, making more money, and then they decided to pay him more. I, it's, it's a misunderstanding. I don't, I don't understand it. Freddie Clayson's only played in two games since January 25th in Boston, so it's been a long time coming for his re-entry into the Sens lineup. Now, all those holes up front, there's well reason for it. Bobby Ryan will be out for a minimum of three weeks with ligament damage in his hand, so it's not a broken bone as he's been susceptible to in the past. It's ligament damage, minimum three weeks. Derek Broussard and Nate Thompson have nagging injuries. They're both out of the lineup, so that takes a big chunk out of your center depth. Mark Stone skating. That's huge for this Ottawa Senators team. He is the pulse in terms of competitiveness and work ethic of this team. How much do they miss Mark Stone? It's a pretty redundant question, I must say. Well, on our last podcast, we had a little award, who's been the best Sens player so far, and it was unanimous that it was Mark Stone. So they've been missing their best player, well, best performance player this season. But this lineup, if this wasn't a season where Sens fans are now uh, hoping for a tank, I would be furious with this lineup because it's... It's terrible. Like, let's be honest. I mean, you've got some waiver wire pickups playing heavy minutes. Your top six only has really two legit top six players. And you got to bring a guy like Max McCormick up. It's not a good looking lineup of going against the Devils. On the back end, some good news as well. Chris Wyman skated for the first time since November 16th. You all remember that 
terrifying collision where Yevgeny Malkin kind of collapsed onto Weidman's leg, torn hamstring, and he was off to such an impressive start to the year, despite only averaging 11.30 per game. Chris Weidman had 8 points in 16 games. That's half a point a game. And considering his career high was 17 points last season, he was well on his way to shattering that and in a contract year too. He's hoping to get back before the end of this season. And I think just for his confidence, going into a summer of uncertainty with UFA right around the corner, it would be really nice to see him get into a game. It must be so tough to sit down and, and watch this collapse. I mean, when he left the lineup, they were still sitting in a playoff spot. And for it to just fall apart around him like that must be tough to sit on the sidelines and not do anything about it. And his entry into the lineup, there's going to be a lot of subtractions as well with the trade deadline three weeks away. Are we any further along? We know the names that are out there. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Zach Smith, Mike Hoffman. What are the likelihood of these guys actually getting dealt? Well, you look at this as a situation where now Pajot's playing top six minutes. He's your number two centerman. If he plays well in these next few games while Brass is not playing, I mean, this is a pretty good showcase of the talent and possibly growing the bounty that he could bring back for the Senators if they're looking to retool. And we've mentioned him multiple times, and his name is in the rumor mill. Some some rumors that I've been seeing, and uh, this is off Bruce Garriock's article, is it seems like the LA Kings are interested in Dion Phaneuf and that sounds great. If well, there is any interest in Dion Phaneuf, you got to take those calls because this is a contract that is bogging down this team. He's got three more years after this one at $7 million and he's 32 years old. It's, it's tough to see a, a trade actually going down because pretty much with these contract uh, dump trades, you usually have to send a pick or a prospect the other way, and I don't think the Sens have any interest in doing that. So... If there's a way this deal can get done, I, I'm all for it, but I just don't see it happening in a way that both teams agree upon. The LA Kings could be the perfect trading partner for that, though. They have a couple contracts of their own. Dustin Brown's enjoying a nice resurgence this year, but his contract is still a sore eye. $5.875 million. I think Brown sticks around, though. He's really blossomed under uh, new head coach Stevens, so they might not like to keep him. Well, There's I, always been chemistry there with Lance Kopitar as well. Yeah, and Marion Gabrick making 4.875. He's not the elite player that he was in the past with Minnesota and the New York Rangers, but he You've got to think that L.A. would be hoping one of these contracts go the other way. We're starting to see that generation of players that I grew up watching. You guys were in your teens watching. But uh, we're starting to see them starting to be paid for what they have done and not what they will do. And we're starting to see that turnover in guys like Dion Phaneuf and Marion Gabrick where they're kind of at the end and teams are stuck holding on to them. Well, it's such a scary predicament to be in because you want to reward someone for what their past performances are. But in a league that's going younger every year, you can't be paying too much. And we we have that firsthand here with Craig Anderson. What he's done is nothing short of exceptional in the Senators' crease. But does that mean that in two years from now, when he's 40 years old, it's going to be the same thing? Probably not, Ross. Yeah, the decline has is obviously settling in for Craig Anderson. And especially when you're in your late 30s, the opportunity to improve rather than decline is pretty small. I mean, Tim Thomas uh, pulled some magic, but I don't know if Anderson has it in him. The best he could do is just try to salvage this season and try to go into next season with some confidence. And another name that I'm sure Sens fans would be happy to see on the move, but 
It seems Pierre Dorian is holding out for a bounty in terms of Cody Cece. Uh, Tampa Bay, they've come they've come knocking before. The of course ever famous one for one Drouin for Cece trade, and then it came out earlier this year. Darren Dreger reporting that there was a framework for a deal that would have sent Cody Cece for Taylor Hall. These are big name guys, so I don't know what kind of bounty Pierre Dorian thinks Cody Cece's worth, but he's an RFA at the end of the year. So do you risk his not improving exponentially as what I assume is expected of him in the Senators organization, or do you deal him now and hope for something in return? Well, that something in return has to be good. I just want to clarify quickly that that move was in the works, just didn't get to ownership in time to get the approval needed to make that kind of move for Taylor Hall, and that was what really ended or kiboshed that deal, which is... You're, you're breaking my heart with this. That's terrible. There were a lot of Swedish fans with broken hearts in the gold medal game at the World Junior Championship against Canada, where Drake Batherson set up the gold medal clinching goal. And that was his only assist, along with seven goals in seven games, a hat-trick in the semifinals, a stick trick in the quarterfinals. You can remember uh, he gave away his stick to Jordan Kairou to score what would have been the hat-trick for it. Um, Before we get to the interview with Drake Batherson, we want to take you back to when we spoke to Sean Donovan around rookie camp, and here's what he had to say about a then-unknown Drake Batherson. A kid like Drake Batherson, we picked him fourth round, I think he's a very intriguing player. He had a great dev camp. Trent Manor, head scout. I mean, he even had me go look at him a bunch of times because he's a guy that a lot of teams overlooked. And you go watch him, and he's a very talented player. And he, obviously, thus far has been intriguing. And he's a centerman, but he's a guy you can see on the wing. You know, kind of a Mark Stone type with really good hands. And uh, you know, uh, he's worked on his skating. He's gotten stronger. And you know that two years from now, when he works on that strength and that engine, also him, he's going to be he's going to be a beast. So it's going to be fun to watch him out here. And without further ado, this morning, Chris Parliament sat down with Batherson. Here it is. So last year, you had a pretty good year, 58 points in 61 games. So were you happy with that, or did you think you had a year like this in yet? Yeah, I, I didn't really have too much ex- expectations, I guess you could say, coming into my first year. I just wanted to you know, develop as a player. First of all, being you know my first year in the league, I had to you know, feel it out a bit at the start started getting uh, more comfortable as the season went on and then uh, started gaining confidence and then uh, started, you know, putting on some numbers and started playing on the, you know, the top line. And, you know, after Christmas, I started uh, getting a few calls from some NHL teams and, uh, you know, that was a big eye-opener for me. And I think, uh, you know, that's what you know, led to my, you know, get me getting drafted, just playing with confidence that, you know, NHL teams are watching me every night and, yeah, I think that was just the biggest thing for me, playing with confidence last year. And, uh, you know, after getting drafted, that was, uh, you know, pretty special. For sure. And you, um, so you were definitely like a smaller guy growing up. We all heard the story about the big, uh, the big growth year you had there. But so when you started getting calls from the NHL, was that the first time you really thought, hey, I can do this, I can make it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, after... You know, I kind of, you know, watched a lot of guys in the league that have been drafted and stuff like that, you know, so taking stuff from them. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself, you know, I'm I'm as good as these guys. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, after seeing those guys play and I, uh, you know, had the confidence in myself, you know, that I can, you know, I can do this if I keep working hard. And I think, uh, you know, that's what I told myself every day when I was coming to the rink that, uh, you know, that's what I want to be. So, you know, I worked towards that every day. And, yeah, that's what I was, uh, that's what I had in mind last year. 
Right on. So at the start of this year, back in the summer around development camp time and the rookie tournament as well, we actually had the chance to sit down with Sean Donovan and he brought you up and said that uh, he, you were a guy in the middle that you could see maybe playing on the wing in the future and he said that uh, you were a Mark Stone type player. So is that somebody, well, you had the time with the big club that you really looked to or was there other players that you tried to take stuff from their game as well? Yeah, it was pretty cool. He's always been, you know, one of my favorite players in the NHL. And last year in all my, uh, you know, interviews with the NHL teams, I said, they asked me who I, you know, comparable player. And I always said, you know, Mark Stone. And, you know, funny enough, it ended up going to Ottawa and, you know, had the chance to, you know, practice with him there every day at the main camp and just, you know, hang around with them at the rink and, you know, just hang around with all those guys and see, you know, how hard they work and, you know, how hard they, you know, how hard they're uh, committed to, you know, winning and stuff like that. So it was a pretty cool experience, you know, hanging out with them and, uh, you know, learned a lot for sure. Just talk about learning there. Uh, people that we've talked to, you know, over at OLP and Sean Donovan, they said that uh, you've got an IQ that you kind of can't teach. So I guess the question is, where did you learn it? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's just developed a lot over the years ever since the uh, you know, I was born, I was around the game, you know, moving around, you know, all over all over the world, really going from the States to Germany, you know, following my dad because he was playing professional hockey. So, you know, anytime, uh, you know, my dad had a game or a practice and uh, I was going to the rink, my mom would just let me go with him and, you know, I'd be hanging around the rink, you know, all day long. So I think uh, just being around the rink every day for, since I was about three years old with him, just, uh, you know, growing a passion for the game. And obviously my dad's pretty well, you know, taught me everything growing up so I think uh, you know that's where I got my hockey IQ from him. Is it pretty cool growing up in Germany? Yeah it was a great experience you know it's a whole different uh, lifestyle over there over there the fans are you know crazy they're going nuts the whole game like the whole time just cheering and stuff like that with the drums so you know it's a pretty cool to experience uh, at a young age. How is that atmosphere compared to the uh, little taste of the preseason battle of Ontario you got earlier this yeah, year? Yeah, I think the atmosphere around hockey, like the fans and stuff, is better over there just because they're, uh, you know, cheering and stuff like that. And more in the NHL, it's more of a, you know, a business. You could say people travel in from, uh, you know, all over the world to watch games. But in uh, Germany, it's every, all the fans from the hometown, and they're there every single game, and they all the fans know all the same chance. So. No, that it's uh, a lot louder over there for sure, but uh, you know it's it's pretty cool to you know experience uh, some preseason against Toronto and uh, you know obviously it's a big big battle there of Ontario. Let's flash forward now to the World Juniors, where that must have just been an unbelievable experience. What was it like just putting on? Uh, it was unbelievable right from the start. I think uh, you know from the first day. I showed up to camp was just as fun as, you know, winning the gold medal on the last day, you know, you're treated so well when you go to, uh, you know, tournaments and stuff like that with Hockey Canada and, uh, you know, meeting, you know, all the staff, the staff was really welcoming right from the start and, uh, you know, all the guys were, you know, such great guys and such great players. So, you know, building chemistry and new friendships with uh, those guys will, you know, it's something I'll never forget for sure. Now, you actually had the opportunity to choose between Canada and the States. Was it an easy choice? You must be happy with it now, but was it tough? Not really. I think, uh, you know, I only lived in the States for about two weeks before I moved to uh, before I moved to Germany. So I think I had, uh, you know, I'm more Canadian than anything. So, you know, and growing up in Canada, obviously, you're cheering for, you know, Canada at the World Juniors ever since I was young. So, uh, you know, I've always had a true 
true passion for, you know, Canadian hockey. And yeah, I had, uh, I didn't really think twice when I got the call from Canada for sure. Yeah, that's what Suns fans I'm sure will love to hear. <laughs> but <laughs> so was it cool kind of getting to know guys like Alex Formanton, guy you're possibly going to play with in the future? Or did you already have kind of a relationship with him going in? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool story between me and him. Uh, I never really knew him. We never actually met at the draft either until uh, development camp. And the first day of development camp, we were sitting beside each other in the dressing room. So we kind of built a friendship right from, you know, the first day of development camp. And, uh, you know, we hung out a little bit at development, development camp, not much. And then when main camp came around, you know, we were going out for, you know, lunch and supper, it seemed, you know, every single day and hanging around each other 24-7. So, uh, you know, we became really good friends there. And then, you know, we were both uh, lucky enough to, you know, make the world junior team. And, uh, you know, we carried that friendship onto there. And, yeah, now we're, you know, a great friend and, you know, talk, uh, you know, on the weekly, it seems like. Is he as fast as he looks? Oh, yeah. He can, <laughs> he can fly, that's for sure. For this podcast that the interview is for, my one buddy would kill me if I didn't ask, what was the outdoor game like? Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty cool experience. I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of snow on the ice, so it was, you know, almost the pretty much same as, you know, pond hockey growing up. It was pretty sloppy out there, but it was unbelievable. I think there was, you know, 46,000 fans there, and, you know, the place was going nuts. There was fireworks and everything going off, and, uh, you know, the, yeah, just the, the whole atmosphere around it, you know, you pulled into the parking lot, everyone's tailgating, just going crazy. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of hype around the game, and, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, I'll never forget. And I was, you know, truly honored to be a part of it. You get back and you've been traded. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was uh, definitely definitely a big change in Cape Breton. It's a whole different, uh, you know, atmosphere. Everything's, uh, you know, French. There's not too much English around. So, uh, you know, that was, a, that was a big thing for me at the start, just the language barrier. And then, uh, yeah, I found out that I was traded after actually the quarterfinal game I got called into the office and, uh, you know, was told I've been traded, but, uh, you know, they just told me not to, you know, really think about it. So I didn't really, I didn't, it wasn't really on my mind at the World Juniors. I was just focusing on, you know, the semifinals and the gold medal. And then, uh, you know, I went home after the World Juniors for about four or five days and, you know, really, uh, you know, started to think about, you know, the Armada and started getting really excited to, you know, come here. So, uh, no, it's been great so far and, uh, yeah, I've been loving it. Bit of a smooth transition. I don't know if you know this, but 14 game point streaks on both teams you've played for this year. That's something to hang your hat on for sure. Yeah, uh, I wasn't really aware that it was on you know a 14 game point streak here after you know going to the World Juniors and stuff like that. I just seen it online, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, you know the transition is pretty smooth and you know playing with some great players. So you know it's been a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, you mentioned seeing it online. Is that something they kind of try and steer you away from, not not get into the social media as much, or do you just have to be careful with it? Yeah, at the World Juniors, we didn't, you know, didn't touch social media at all. I think uh, just because there's so much hype around the tournament, you just, you know, it's just more of a distraction than anything. So we all, uh, you know, stayed off that. But uh, you know, nowadays you get all your buddies, you know, sending you screenshots and stuff like that of what they see. So. You kind of see it, but you kind of, you know, try to ignore it and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it doesn't really phase me too much, uh, you know, the social media. Let's flash forward to next year. You possibly have the chance to go pro or head back to junior. If you could make the chance or take the choice, what would you choose? Have another year of development uh, or pop in? Yeah, pro. I'd want to make the jump for, to pro for sure. I think, 
you know, any any young hockey players, uh, you know, trying to develop their game as fast as you can to, you know, make the jump to pro to start, uh, you know, uh, you know, living a dream you've been uh, dreaming of since you're a kid. So, you know, that's what I'm gonna, you know, keep working towards, uh, you know, throughout the end of the season here and carry that into, you know, the summer and development camp stuff like that. Just, uh, yeah, gearing up for camp next year to hopefully uh, make that jump. I appreciate you coming on the show and. Uh, hope we can catch up, possibly in a deep playoff run with you later this year. Yeah, that sounds great. And I hope to see you next year at the, the rookie camp as well. Okay, perfect. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to OLP Sports for hooking us up with that interview. Drake is a great guy. It was fun talking to him. And like you heard at the end of the interview there, hopefully we catch up with him later on in the season. Now let's head down to the farm. Down on the farm. It's time to check in on the Belleville Senators. Those Belleville Senators are currently in fifth place in the North Vision right now. They're at 19 and 25 on the season. A blast from the past. Jim O'Brien's leading the way with 24 points and 46 games played. But the big news out of Belleville today, we already got a little bit into this. Max McCormick will be back up with the club today. That was announced this morning. In three games in the NHL with Ottawa this season, zero points. So still hoping to get on the score sheet. Boys, let's go to junior hockey. Yeah, and Logan Brown specifically, he was traded from the Windsor Spitfires to the Kitchener Rangers. Would there be a period where it took him a while to get comfortable? Absolutely not. 12 points in four games. Yeah, you heard that right. 12 points in four games with a Kitchener team with championship aspirations. Of course, Logan Brown was in the Memorial Cup last year with the Spitfires. Look for him to really expand his role and and put up ridiculous numbers as we've seen here. The six foot seven forward will make a very strong case to be in the National Hockey League next year. He already looked good pretty good earlier this year. With a little bit of time with yeah, the cup Senators. Of, cu- cup of coffee. He did get his first NHL point as well. Six foot seven, you can't argue with that frame down the middle. But I'm going to go to another former Windsor player in Aaron Luchuk. He continued to tally points this year. He's on a line with Andre Sveshnikov. He had six points this weekend, including four against Windsor. His former team, gotta love those comebacks. Yeah, and Sens fans, that might be a name come draft day. I know the Sens haven't drafted a Russian since 2007. Ruslan Bashkarov, who never ended up playing for the Senators, second rounder, but... Andrei Svechnikov is the real deal. He's got top three potential in this draft. Of course, the younger brother of Yevgeny Svechnikov, who's in the Detroit Red Wings system. And uh, like I usually do, quick updates on the goalies. If I see Andrew Hammond has been reassigned or loaned or whatever they're calling it from Colorado to the Belleville Centers one more time, I don't know. I'm going to lose my mind. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, you can expect Andrew Hammond to get one of the next starts for Belleville. He was there at practice yesterday. And uh, while we're on the farm, he may be coming back after, but Chris Kelly getting ready for the Olympics. And he's been wearing the C in two pre tournament games. It hasn't been officially announced, but that'd be a nice little connection if Chris Kelly could wear the C for Team Canada. I would absolutely love to see Chris Kelly wearing the C there. And uh, he earned it. Yeah, I mean, who better to wear the C on that team than Chris Kelly? I mean, 
He he probably has the most games played on that team. He's o- got only Stanley Cup. He's got exactly. He's got a cup. Like this this guy's been through it all. So I think it's a great move and classy guy. I think he's he was a Sens fan favorite. They loved him in Boston. So great player. Hopefully he gets to keep wearing the C for Team Canada. And you just got to respect a guy who came in this year. He had his eyes on the prize and he got there. And yeah, yeah, definitely. And from one fan favorite to another, this Thursday when the National Predators are in town, it will mark the return of Kyle Turris. Of course, six-plus seasons with the Ottawa Senators will go down as a fan favorite on and off the ice. We've spoken at lengths about his impact in the city with the Capital City Condors. He's bringing 60 of them to the game on Thursday, so that's great stuff as well. Yeah, what a what a great guy, Kyle Turris. And boy, Sens fans, Matt Duchesne's been great. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing the potential chemistry between him and Hoffman. It's really lit up the last couple games especially, but man, Kyle Turris meant a lot to this franchise and things really changed when he left. Hashtag change though for Kyle. You'll know how I'll have mine out on Thursday. Absolutely. And while we're on that note of Matt Duchesne, 11 points in his last 11 games. Could have been 12. There's that offside goal. But you know what? If there's somebody who needs to get a goal taken away for <laughs> offside, uh, Matt Duchesne is the reason why that is reviewable. If you remember a few years ago, he was about 10 feet offside. Even he thought the whistle should have blown. He stopped playing. Everyone stopped. Definitely give it a YouTube. The uh, And then he kind of looks up. He's like, hey, wait, no whistle? And snipes. It was absolutely hysterical. Just just a quick note, too. Uh, we talked about Hoffman leaving. When I saw Hoffman score that goal against the Habs, it was one. that's one of the quickest releases I've ever seen. He just popped it top shelf. No selly. The refs weren't even sure if it was in. Just off to the bench. Like, just incredible goal-scoring ability. And... Like I said earlier, I just love what I'm seeing from Hoffman and Duchesne. Duchesne, when he was coming to Ottawa, he said, I know Hoffman's got a great shot. I can't wait to load him up. And that better keep happening because that's great hockey. Yeah, if you maybe do want to see somebody ramp it upstairs quickly, maybe quicker than Duchesne, just check out Connor McDavid's goal from last night. One of his four, of course. Yeah, just an unreal night for Connor McDavid. He hit three bonuses, walked home with about $600,000 from that game. So Decent. have a night, and I think the first round of drinks is on Connor <laughs> McDavid. Uh, just one last note on Kyle Turris. Ranked 10th in Sens franchise history in goals. And in terms of games played, he was right up there as well. He was at about 400-plus games. Uh, just to be... Specific here, he was ranked 17th in games played, 407 of them, and who can forget the overtime playoff winners? Not one, but two against Henrik Lundqvist, the amazing shot in 2012, and then Dipsy Doodle in 2017. Uh, Definitely will be missed as uh, one of the Ottawa Senators' best centermen in franchise history. But that's all the time for today. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Drake Batherson. We're working on getting a few more interviews lined up. But for now, that's all from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto. I'm Ross Levitan. Alongside me, Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament. And we got to thank Brendan Purdy once again for hopping the board. No Prairie Fire this week, but we'll get back to that Started. next time. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. I didn't keep you real from the jump. Living at my mama's house, we'd argue every month. I was, I was trying to get it on my own. 
working all night, traffic on the way home, and my uncle calling me like, where you at? I gave you the keys, so you bring it right back. I just, I just think it's funny how it goes. Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show, and we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Boys, boys, tell stories about the man.